Turn right. Re-re-re-recalculating. Man, this goofy bitch don't know where she's going. From the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. Boys. Legendary Lost Boys. This is Lost Boys. We call them the Lost Boys. Lost Boys. We're not, uh, not, I know we're not lost. Oh, you knew that yesterday, too. We're lost, but we're making good time. This is the way, guys. I can feel it. And now, the Lost Boys Podcast proudly presents... That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. The history of hip-hop. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is Hip Hop History 101, where we dive deep into the culture of hip hop from where it's been to where it's going and how it got there. Tonight, we're continuing our dive into uh, the origins of hip hop and the 80s specifically. We were only able to get to 85 because 86 really is when a lot of things in hip hop just blew up. So uh, we're going to start uh, with 86 here and probably get to, uh, at least to 89 or so. You know, We'll see. But uh, I am one of your hosts, Ghost T. And joining me, as always, Night Prophet here. What's up? My man, what is happening? Oh, you know, I'm back for some more hip-hop discussion. I love it. I fucking love it, man. And the 80s are fucking wild. <laughs> fucking wild, man. There's so much to dig in. I know I'm leaving stuff out on the table here. So I'm prefacing with that, that I'm sorry, I'm not touching on everything. I know someone's going to be out there listening to this and be like, well, why didn't they mention this, man? This was one of the best <laughs> things that ever happened in hip hop. I'm sorry. All right. There was a lot of fucking shit happening. We're trying to cover the bases best we can, but uh, there's a lot. So just uh, bear with us. All right. Uh, hit us up in, in our discord. You can uh, join there. At uh, lostboysociety.org, you can join the Discord and yell at us if you need to uh, about uh, hip hop stuff that we might have missed. But uh, let's, knowledge, yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it, man. Fucking uh, 1986, it really, really, really was blowing up. A lot, a lot of shit was happening in '86. Um, what do you got going on over there in the West? All right, so um, this isn't uh, necessarily music related, okay. and it actually happened in in eighty five. I probably should have said this last week, but sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, the release of the Jordan One. So oh, okay. I think I think we all know like the importance of the the Jordan shoe series uh, in hip hop culture going sure, forward from yeah. this point. So. Um, I think this is really where uh, fashion starts to lean in to hip hop as well. You know, streetwear and uh, sneakers. So, because um, this was really when Nike branched away from like purely running brand into something different. Yeah, the and uh, kind of thing. Yeah, basketball. Because you know they were they were they were purely like a track brand in the beginning. Nike was, and okay. so. Um, you know, Jordan changed the game, man. And uh, these shoes became popular throughout a lot of neighborhoods throughout, uh, you know, that were were um, hip hop was popular. Sure. So, so this was a this was a big thing. The black and, and you, reds, bro. Yeah. Holy and if shit, you have a man. pair of these still. Oof, oh, my goodness. How much is that worth? You think? <laughs> I, 
I don't even know. Not in great condition. What would like like what would you think? Rough, rough ballpark. Oh man. Like, are we talking hundreds? Are we talking thousands? Thousands. So talking It'd be thousands, thousands. thousands. Holy shit. Yeah. Cop these. <laughs> I guess I got on that train. Sneakers are a whole fucking right. thing. Sneakers as well. Yeah, definitely. My dad always. Uh, hip hop. Um, My dad is always like, you know, because he had these shoes when they came out, but nobody fucking knew. You know, and, my, <laughs> yeah, and so my dad's exactly. like. I wore those things into the fucking ground, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Might have a shoestring you can try to sell yeah. for like 12, 12 bucks or something. So here's an article from 2020. It says the original first pair of Air Air Jordan sneakers um, fetched a price of six hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars. What? No, that's crazy. Wild, dude. Thousand? Yes. All right, I wasn't so, expecting that high. I thought maybe like ten thousand right? at most. So that's uh, <laughs> I think that goes to show you the significance of these shoes here. Jeez, enough respect, Nike, and to Mister Michael Jordan. Right. Um. Hey, what do you feel about people who say Nike? Um. Well, the original—that's how you pronounce the original goddess's name, which Nike is named after. Oh my god, it makes me feel so much better. Okay, go ahead. Um. I say that all but, the time. I mean. Obviously, the troll people, but yeah, the 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 brand is Nike, right? You know, but yeah. um, yeah. So uh, it's named after a Greek goddess, of, uh, the Greek goddess, goddess of victory. Okay. Get the fuck out of here, okay? Yeah, and uh, the they originally well, they found her statue, and she only had wings and no head. So um, that's like the the only image we have of her. Dag, that's fucking wild, man. Yeah, I, I knew nothing about that. That's crazy. I, I never really thought about the etymology of the name, but that's very fascinating. So you yeah. learn all kinds of shit here. Like, so that's what the swoosh is—is is the wing. Oh, okay. Dag, that's deep, man. Okay, I, I'm digging it. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Um, I don't know if I ever got uh, Nikes based off of a rapper, but I will tell you, I got Adidas. Based off a rapper, and you know what other shoes I got based off rappers? What's that? Wallaby Clarks. Ooh, some wallabies. Did you ever dude? have some wallabies, bro? Nah, I never had the wallabies. <laughs> Yo, getting on the Raekwon and uh well, I guess more Ghostface, uh, I guess was tr- the true uh fashion uh-huh. uh wallaby guy who was dipping in uh, you know, uh, dying them like crazy and making his own little styles. But yeah, I remember begging mom. <gasps> Please give me some wallabies. And then yeah, I rocked them in school and everyone just made fun of them. I felt like, <laughs> we wear grandpa shoes. You're like Wu Tang, dude. That's <laughs> what I try to say. I'm like, man, this is what you talk about. It's ghost face, baby. Oh, man. I'd never forget that. They were That's comfortable. So I will tell you, they were very comfortable shoes. The fu- they're, they're furry, though. It's kind of a weird, weird thing. But I, I don't know. It, it, you had to be there, I guess. I guess it's no weirder than. Uh, now I got I got a, our boy uh, Tack always talks about the big red shoes and I always make fun of him, but I guess that's in a similar style. I was rocking wallabies <laughs> yeah. based on some stupid trends and looking back now, okay, I, I feel bad. I gotta apologize now. Shit. Yeah, we fell for a few trends uh, for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Oh fuck! All right, well that's that's crazy to know. I did not realize that, my man. Eighty six Jordan ones. 
Were they called the Air Jordans back then, or is that a new, a different styling? Yeah. They're, they were just Air Jordans. Okay, Air okay. Jordan, yep. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, All right, what else you got over there? Anything else popping 86 West Coast ways besides sneakers? Were they made? That was where they were, were they made? Um, now I'm kind of curious. It's Oregon. Oh, ah, fuck that then. All right, you keep going. Yeah, so yeah, Nike's based in Oregon because they were Oregon? actually really? they originally were making track shoes for a uh, University of Oregon, um, oh, the Ducks. Wow. So that's okay. why if you ever watch Ducks football, you know how they have the dopest Nike gear you've ever seen in your life. I mean, I can I'll go off your word for sure. Okay, so like if you watch um, University of Oregon, like the Ducks, if you watch any of their NCAA games, every single game they have a different uniform on, and it's like the dopest Nike shit you've ever seen. And that's because that's where that's crazy. That's where Nike comes from. That's their hometown. Get the fuck out! I never would have thought that. I never knew that. That's awesome. But who would have thought Oregon? Yeah, I feel like that's definitely a coastal kind of company. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a global company now, obviously, but yeah, worldwide, baby. Holy shit! So in the house, sort of like Gatorade started out of Florida, college. Florida with the with the team? Gators, yeah, the Gator- the no, football team. It makes sense, yeah, Gators. Um, yeah, that's crazy. All right, yeah, so at least some good stuff can come out of college every now and then. <laughs> don't expect a good that's job it, that's everybody. it well i'm just saying i just want to warn people before they go in crazy debt out there in this day and age you know you know look look for alternatives you know it's not a guaranteed paycheck getting out of college all right anyway 86 um let me let me throw one out there real quick because speaking of run dmc and breaking into the mainstream uh there was a little rock group called Aerosmith, who was on the decline around this time, you know, they, they had they had a lot of hits in the 70s, but uh, you know, no one's really listening to Aerosmith. So Run DMC covered one of their songs, Walk This Way. Uh, had a fantastic video. MTV definitely helped propel hip hop along the tracks here, but it became a huge hit. Reached Billboard number four, which at this point I think was the closest to one yet. Again, we'll, we'll see what that 1991 jam is, but so far, we're getting close. We're getting close. Billboard number four. Um, and uh, it was actually, on a personal level, I think I might have mentioned this episode one, but that was one of the things that definitely got me into hip-hop, because I used to watch MTV way too young, and uh, it was a funny video. So it was just one of those, you know, the guys, they're, they're arguing with each other. One guy's in one room rapping, the other guys are in the other room rocking out. They're yelling at each other, playing louder and louder to drown each other out. They smash through the walls, and then it's just this. They come together and make this song. It was an awesome video. Worked out perfect. Emerging worlds, and it definitely took uh, the world by storm because um, now you had absolutely people in the suburbs, old rockheads, who were digging this jam and being exposed to this new kind of music as well, and. Um, some people were probably poo-pooing it, but a lot more were saying, you know, this is, this is not bad. I like this. I'm going to check this out a little more and got more into rap and everything. So so uh, big up to uh, Walk This Way. That's all. Yeah, I think um, I think that song was a little, uh, like there was a little bit of um, pushback behind the scenes on that song uh, by Run DMC. Like, uh, like it was, I, I guess... 
They didn't want to do it. It was a little, a little, yeah, they didn't want to do it. No, they didn't want to do it at all. This was absolutely yeah. a Rick Rubin. Yes. Thing, it because was a- Rick Rubin was straight up. He, he loved the rock. He saw the success that could happen from their earlier tracks and uh, a couple others that he was coming out with at the time, but he loved the merging of, and he knew that that was going to be a hit, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they weren't about it. They weren't into the rock scene. And I guess, you know, down to the collab or do a cover song or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was definitely pushed very much like Sylvia Robinson pushing um, the message, <laughs> right? The message to be yeah. born. Uh, Rick Rubin was just a few years later pushing Run DMC to uh, get this fucking collab going, and it re-sparked Aerosmith's career. There's no doubt about that, because they had a heavy resurgence then late 80s and, and definitely 90s, um, and it just elevated Run DMC even more and spread out hip-hop mm-hmm. to the world even more. So, yeah, so you got to thank some of these uh, behind-the-scenes producers. They know what they're doing sometimes. Yeah, they pushed it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's wild shit, man. Um, got what else you got over there for West Coast Way uh, for 86? Nothing for 86. Oh, um, okay. 87's the, the, the takeoff here. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Now, let me get my couple things here out of the way. Um, I did want to just briefly mention KRS-One and Boogie Down Productions. This was when their beef started with MC Shan and Marley Marr where uh, it was a whole battle over the origin of hip-hop, and it's actually just a misunderstanding of the origin of or what the, they were saying, because uh, what basically happened is MC Shan dropped this song called The Bridge, where they were just talking about their... Or, and he even says this in the song. We're going to talk about a little bit Ladies where we came from. We got MC Shan and Molly Marl in the house tonight. They just came from off tour. They want to tell you a little story about where they come from. And so he's just rapping about the Brit, how they were doing, you know, it was kind of a story-esque type of rhyme, how they were just starting to feel hip-hop and get into it and what they were doing in Queensbridge. And um, KR took this as, oh, they're saying that hip-hop started in Queensbridge? These motherfuckers aren't going to, we're not going to allow that. Because he was representing South Bronx, you know, Cool Herc type shit, Africa Bam. So he came out with this song called South Bronx, which was saying, all right, South Bronx is where it all started, motherfucker. He threw some disses out there of 2MC Shan and Marley Marr. And then they came back with a song called Kill That Noise, where they basically were saying, no, man, you ain't even listening to what we're saying. That's not what we said. And then KRS dropped The Bridge Is Over, which kind of ended the beef, to be honest. And he kind of won based off this because this song is, is a hot song. You've got this piano riff that just is catchy as hell. And um, he tears into MC Shane and Marley Marr. And although in hindsight, I think I think he was definitely wrong on this whole thing. Um, that song kind of won the war, and then KRS-One shot to fame, and is still out there doing music and 
rocking parties and involved deeply into hip hop. Whereas MC Shannon, Marley Mar, eh, not so much. Not so yeah. much. <laughs> they kind of disappeared shortly after this anyway. Damn, just trying to rep their hood and they got ripped for it, huh? Yeah. It's, it, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was exactly what it was. Um, I got to mention in November of 86 is when one of my favorites, the Beastie Boys, who I talk about all the time and probably too much already in these podcasts, but uh, the Beastie Boys, three white Jewish punk rock kids came out with their first album, Licensed to Ill, with Rick Rubin produ- producing, knowing what he's doing. Again, rock rap mixes throughout that thing. And some just strictly fucking rap. The production on this is so superb. They're the the 808s he uses too. It's just oh man. And they they even had some crazy new techniques that they invented. Like um, if you've ever heard Paul Revere, and anyone who hasn't heard Paul Revere should go back and listen to that. This might be one of the first tracks where they took the reel-to-reel tape that they had this song on, played it backwards through the whole song. And that's what they're rapping to, a reversed beat. And uh, they they love, Beastie Boys love innovating and trying out new things like that. And a lot of it stuck. Um, so they were definitely on the forefront of a lot of uh, production stuff and uh, just uh, all that. And as we talked about, like uh, last episode, CIA, Ice Cube's first band, heavily was influenced and pretty much bit the whole style of uh, this album. And uh, so it, it spread. It spread fast. And I just got to give props to my Beastie Boys. Um, now, lyrically, another guy came out in 86 that I got to give props to. Because some say he might have been the greatest lyricist of all times. And he absolutely elevated everyone else as well with the way he came into the game. But Eric B. and Rock Him came out with their first album. In 86, Hayden Fool, which was a, a, I mean, come on. if you Changed the game, dude. It it absolutely changed the game. The the style he used, the lyrics he used, his his cadences, um, just his rhyme schemes. He did internal rhymes that a lot of people weren't doing. And he he was just very creative with the way he rhymed. And um, I think I might have mentioned this as well in episode one. But... Um, Rock him is he, he he was a musician, jazz musician, uh, and jazz was was one of his favorite uh, genres. He looked at rhyming like I'm going to be the instrument. So when I hear the groove, I'm going to flow with the groove, and that's exactly what he did. And just you can just hear it, and there's just something special about it. The way he does everything, his voice was perfect as well. And it all just came together, and that first album was amazing. I listened to that this, I listened to that whole album this week, and it holds up in my mind. It might still be a little dated with uh, some of the sounds and everything, but lyrically, he's it's still on point, and uh, it's fun to listen to, and just beautiful production. But uh, so '86 that came out, and I have to note that one because I think again that just took everything up another level. Ah. Uh, yeah, this was like the explosion period here, dude. It was fucking crazy, man. 
Oh, uh, another notable one, but I don't know too much about the album, but I will say Two Live Crew, representing Florida, actually came Florida. out in 86, uh, the first album. The Two Live Crew is what we are, it was called. Um, so they started putting the South on the map and uh, debaucherous lyrics, which got them in legal trouble. They were the first uh, group to get an explicit lyrics label on their album. Was it really? Yeah, first group Probably ever. because of a lawsuit or something? Uh-huh. So it was like kind of in the works all through the late 80s, and it was um, it was Too Short and uh, Too Live Crew that really like gathered the attention of, well, um, yeah. of maybe we should start rating these records now. Yeah, and I can see why yeah. maybe on Too Short's album that released in 1986, it was called Raw, Uncut, and X-Rated. Yeah. So there's definitely a chance. Is that a good album? <laughs> Dude, I, I love All Too Short, bro. Okay, I'm not right. even going <laughs> to. You got to have a best. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to dig that out of you <laughs> before this podcast comes to an end. Now, what's your favorite Too well, Short I mean, album? Like, there's got to be a favorite. What's my favorite well, maybe Too Short not. album? You know what? Because I'm just thinking if you ask me that about the Beastie Boys, they all hold their place. Right? So I kind of feel yeah. the same way that uh, there's something special about them all. But yeah, it's all right. You don't have to answer, but you should. <laughs> yeah dude um fuck my favorite two short album would let's see here it's his second album for sure not a second album his third What's which is uh i thought this was the third this might be the fourth see oh my god he has like 50 I albums to, i know i tried to note all the two short ones i saw get in where you so fit in two short that's my that's my shit yeah fuck him up short get in where you fit in fool you was a markup at the high school now you're hardcore like cb4 fighting what you want to be me for it's your life you wish it was a too short rap but you got no game and your face ain't fat you need to quit rapping just ain't your place so back on the grind and don't catch no case bitches that's what you always be like the other young bitches try to get with me i run all up in it but this ain't no race i pull it out and shoot it right in her face you're probably whiner and diner and get jealous when you can't find her you're nothing but a mark i bet you get your ass kicked hanging at the park bitch. fourth album fifth album Four. okay okay get in where you fit <laughs> that in. one came all out right. in 93 get in where you fit in 93 so that was a little um all right we won't talk about that he was so he was full steam yeah yeah but, he was full steam right, at that right. point i'm gonna check that shit out though. that's on the that's on the list get in where you um, fit can I also just mention Stetsasonic came out with their first album in 1986 as well. And Stetsasonic is where someone else, it was another huge inspiration to me. And I talked about already Prince Paul. He was a producer. He was a DJ. Uh, he was on the turntable in this uh, group Stetsasonic, which was more so of an earlier hip hop styling um, kind of band. but. Uh, they were doing their thing, but it was kind of Wrecking Crew-esque, East Coast Wrecking Crew-esque, I would say. And as he broke out with, like, De La Soul, was kind of how, like, Drake broke out with NWA in a weird parallel way. I would, I would kind of relate it to. Um, all right, that's all. That's all. I could go on. There's other <laughs> albums and shit, but, you know, we'll try to keep it a little brief. Sorry, right, 86, I think things were definitely blowing up. We had a lot to talk about in 86. Yeah. Um, 87. 
Well, you said you got some pitch. So, yeah, West was popping 87. in 87, so go ahead, because I don't have much yeah. in 87, so go ahead. Go I'm, ahead. I'm sure you, you know where I'm headed with this one. So 87 um, is when NWA gets Woo! together here. Okay. Yes. All right, so they were kind of floating around in different groups in that club scene that we were talking about earlier, Uncle Jam's Army. Mm-hmm. So he had a club, uh, and it was called Eve After Dark. And so all these guys were playing uh, shows at this club, and they all kind of start getting together, meeting each other. And um, so 87 was when they first came up with the lineup of Arabian Prince, Dr. Dre, Eazy-E, Ice Cube, DJ Yella, and MC Ren. And their first album, it's not even actually an album. They released a compilation that year, and it was called NWA and the Posse. Yes. And they were actually only on, like, three or i think it was three or four songs on that album and it was only 11 11 songs but um wasn't wasn't a big thing it wasn't uh, they weren't huge yet you know like people hadn't really uh it hadn't caught on quite yet but obviously this is you know the forming of a fucking super group right here so well, the most dangerous group in the world yeah <laughs> yeah so, but yeah, they have the concert um, the poster. You can see Uncle Jam's Army live in concert, EZE and NWA. Yes. Friday, March 11, 1987. Oh, okay. that's a skating yeah. rink. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, Holy shit, dude. 133rd. Yep. Well, you been there? You been to Skateland, USA? No, but um, I was definitely in skating rinks back in the day, dude. Like, all the time. That was, like, the place to be. Was that big on the East Coast for you guys? I skated a few times in my childhood, but it wasn't, like, huge. There was only, oh, like, okay. a couple in this area. But I'm I absolutely remember that's a West going Coast thing, dude. Rinks. Maybe more so than East Coast, but um, there were. It was, like, there. every weekend for us. Oh, damn. Nah, you... Uh, for a while there, we were ice skating a lot. Oh, okay. Ice skating rinks. Just doing, like, free skating shit there and wilding out. Right. But, um, no, I don't think... Uh, that feels more like a 70s thing for East Coast, at least, that was more popular. I think yeah, by the 80s, it, was, it, wasn't as, it wasn't kicking like that, I don't think. But it was still kicking over there. Man, things are so free-flowing. Everything's happy in California. You got pimps. Happily fucking, you got skating rinks, everyone <laughs> yeah, just rolling yeah. around. Man, California life, bro. You got it made. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 87. If you could deal with the taxes and the bums, dude. You, That's true. It's, it's all right. It's chill, dude. Street, right? <laughs> yeah. We got an app <laughs> for that, though. You can avoid all the shit piles, dude. It's all was good. Was there as much in the 80s, though, with people shitting? You know, uh, yeah, California, dude. There's always been ghettos shit. in California. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, always like shit. I was talking about the the Watts Ten riots in '65, right? Yeah. You know, you know, shit's always been. I mean, ever since I can remember, there's always like San Francisco has had a homelessness problem. You know? Yeah. I, when I was a kid, bums were rampant out there. But I mean, it's definitely, I would say, worse nowadays. But it's always been a thing. You know? We got some ghettos out here, dude, in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you don't yeah. think of it like that. You think it's some rough cities, and, dude. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. 
But yeah, so that so eighty eighty eight is when they really took off um, for NWA. You know, they dropped their their first album eighty eight straight out of Compton, and oh, that was yeah. that was the thing that cemented that was it. Yeah. I think hip hop in the top for for a while for like the next decade. You know what I mean? This was a huge release, uh, and I mean these guys toured worldwide. Oh, it was it was wild, and um, and uh, the one thing I was reading too, which I have vague memories of, but um, I mean they didn't even need to get marketed very well, or uh, a lot of radio stations weren't giving them play and uh, TV because they were just getting in trouble with the law. And as you saw in Straight Outta Compton, the movie as well, they played into that perfectly but that's that was one of the biggest marketing pieces right there this is yeah because they were in the, all the newspapers they were in, in the, the news. news yeah yeah they were getting and you had kids like me getting interested because of just seeing shit like that like oh everyone says these guys are bad you shouldn't listen to them why should let I me see what this it? is like, about what could they yeah. really be singing i'm kind of yeah. curious about this hey richie let's go listen to that nwa okay yeah i stole the tape <laughs> so yeah, man, um, I guess they yeah, even they told them, you know, brilliant. they weren't supposed to perform certain songs. Oh yeah, uh, and, and do it immediately. Yeah, they had that big thing in in Detroit at that show where they uh, they had like the entire police station like waiting on waiting hand, and then as yeah. soon as they dropped, you know, fuck the police, like they got chased <laughs> off. Uh, they like ran off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's great. Great, great, great. Love it. Um, all right, so what you got for, uh, what, 87? Uh, 87, I mean, I was sticking with the Beastie Boys thing. I will say, uh, okay, yeah, there is. License to Ill, released mm-hmm. in 86. By, I think, mid-87, it was the first rap album to hit number one. On the That's Billboard sick. 200. So we're not well at the singles yet. The single we'll still get to. But as far as albums, Beastie Boys got to number one the next year after the release. That just became a huge hit. And again, that was the MTV propulsion right there. Because their Fight for the Right to Party video. I I so clearly remember watching that as just a little, little, little kid. And it was just funny as fuck. Because they're having they're just throwing pies at each other. They just have a big party or chase each other around. They're just being goofy. And it was just, and it was just catchy as fuck. You out of fuck. You know, it's just something that you could easily yell and just sing along to. And so, um, it's understandable that it uh, took off like it did. So I definitely give them props for that. Um, that's one of the main things I had. I'm just trying to look through some of the 87, album releases and definitely some notable albums um public enemy came out with yo bum rush the show at this point public enemy became more of the conscious hip-hop you know they are and socially aware and um 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 boogie down productions came out with criminal minded their first album official album because they had the singles going back and forth with the beef i was talking about like the bridge is over and all that. Okay. That was, you know, that became hits on the radio. So that propelled into their first album. And uh, I think criminal minded is a classic album. Um, you had LL cool J's bigger and Deffer, which actually took him to another level because that album was fire still with Rick Rubin production. Um, 
Uh, let's see here. Too short. Born to Mac. You like that album? Born to Mac. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. All right, all right. That came out. Yeah, damn. Too yep. short was dropping like every fucking year. Oh, oh dude, <laughs> he was putting in some work out there. <laughs> that's fucking wild. Um, Ice T's first solo album. Ice um, T. First debut album. Yep. Ryan Pays. Um, Fat Boys. Nah, you can skip that one. Um, and you had still some of these like older school guys, but that was starting to fade, man. Houdini, to fade, Grandmaster yeah. Flash. I mean, that was becoming old school even then. It just started evolving so quickly. Cool Modi, even like um, I'll, I I don't know if it was this time period. I'm sorry if I'm off on the times a little bit, but sort of how um Cool Modi took the fucking bravado and crushed busy Bree b and took things to a new level cool modi and lo cool j had a big beef around this time somewhere around this time and it was very similar because cool modi said you know he was just talking shit about ll sort of out of nowhere just because ll said something like i'm the king of rap or something like that you know just being braggadocious with his rhymes as you do and then Cool Modi took offense for whatever reason because he still proclaimed himself to be the king of rap. So he went at LL. And I think we all know where this ends. If you know Mamas Will Knock You Out. everyone's heard that late 80s early 90s but that was the the final blow in that beef so um he kind of ushered in he took you know kumo d it's just the bigger fish eating the bigger fish it just keeps happening through everything in life oh my god this gets deep bro hip-hop is life harris one is right hip-hop is everything holy shit but so yeah so ll you know kind of took the throne then and took the torch from uh kumo so he just passed it along um, but yeah, so I just wanted to throw that story out there. So if you don't know much about that beef, check out the Cool Modi LL Cool J beef, um, which was uh, which had some pretty good jams back and forth, but ended with Mama's gonna knock you out. Um, that's about it, I think. I thought that, uh, like I said, Slick Rick's first album came out in '87, but I'm not seeing it on there. Maybe it was '88. But um, let's go right into '88 then. Fuck, what you got for 88? Okay. So, um, for eight, uh, 88 here, I'm going to branch out and do uh, it's a little rumbling from the south is coming up, dude. Oh, okay. So, all right. We're getting some other areas. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So, this is, this is the rise of um, hip hop in the south, you know? Uh, Ghetto we did boys. have oh, okay, 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 okay. Ooh, what was that? So, that was eighty-eight. Uh, technically, they got together in eighty-six. Okay, okay. So, um, but they, the group, 
had a bunch of different members in it and a bunch of people left and um bushwick bill recreated the ghetto boys in 88 and um that was like uh you know with the the ghetto boys that we know today scarface and willie d bushwick bill so So, kind of led things there yeah so bushwick bill was actually a, a dancer for ghetto boys in 86 and 87 and that's when they originally broke up broke up bushwick bill was the only one that stuck around and then he brought um uh willie d and scarface so 88 they came um they come out with uh making trouble is their debut album as the trio so wasn't a huge wasn't a huge release you know um it wasn't till 90 that they really or or no i guess it was 89 that they um kind of gathered some attention nationwide but um this is considered the first dirty south rap wow. right here houston texas ghetto boys and i i love some dirty south rap so um you gotta inject that, yeah, because that's that's yes. unknown territory for so, the most part. Except for it's actually a, a much later budding part of hip hop. I was surprised when I do- dove into the history. Um, I thought maybe I would catch something earlier in the '80s, but there was nothing, man. Ghetto Boys is yeah. the first thing that came up. So '88, '80 fucking eight Ghetto Boys. Okay, okay. I freaking dig it. Um, I, I do gotta big up. MTV again in August of 88 was the debut of Yo MTV Raps with uh, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. Not that Dr. Dre, the other Dr. Dre. And I got some other Beastie Boys trivia here. <laughs> if you know it or not, when the Beastie Boys first started touring uh, pre licensed to Ill album, their DJ at a lot of the shows was this Dr. Dre that went on to to uh, host uh, Yo! MTV Raps. It's kind of a weird little, oh, uh, weird wow. little crossover there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was always that was weird. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thunk? But I, I definitely, I, I probably have Beastie Boys trivia to throw in throughout this whole show. I know too much, bro. <laughs> it runs Not deep in you, dude. Not healthy at all. <laughs> <For sure>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as far as some other albums that dropped though, uh, 88 was definitely huge for, um, uh, again, Boogie Down Productions, KRS One dropped by all means necessary, which it was, it's kind of like, um, Criminal Minded was a good first album to come out with, but their, but, uh, their second album by all means necessary took them on another direction as well boogie down production i don't know production wise lyric wise they definitely grew up a lot in that time frame as well as public enemy it takes a nation of millions to hold us back probably one of their best albums i would say it has so many fucking hits on there and um and um blew up oh and and the reason why a lot of this was blowing up I got, I got, I forgot something from 87. I'm sorry, but the SP 1200 uh, released in August of 87 and started hitting late eight, late 87, you know, and then from then on uh, with uh, hip hop because of its ability to sample 
And it has just such a unique kind of gritty sound on the sampler because they are only using a 26.4 um, hertz sampling rate or something. And I don't know. It just gives everything this great flavor. And uh, the sample length was a little longer than any other sampler of the time. So this became a staple in hip hop. And everyone was using that. And you could hear the change. And that is why a lot of these albums, even from 86, 87 to 88, really just elevated. Because um, producers got more creative with how they're sampling and using it. And it, it took off. But it's big props to the SP8 or SP1200. And um, the next year, I think it was 89. It might have been late 88, 89 that the MPC dropped which again was just like a sampler that took things to a way higher level because the sampling length was huge and you could even twist and turn more shit. <laughs> and there's been tons of MPC iterations that have come out since then. But so that changed a lot of this music. Um, I think uh, Eric B and Rakim's second album, Follow the Leader came out. And again, these all these albums kind of just took that step up. Um, Ultra Magnetic MCs. First album came out, Critical Beat Down, which was great with some amazing samples. And it was in uh, 88 that Slick Rick's Great Adventures of came out. And uh, again, if there's anybody out here who hasn't listened to that album, give yourself uh, 40-some minutes and check it out. It's pretty good. I don't know. What else you got for 88? I feel like I'm rambling. So, um, this is, uh, not much, uh, music release, uh, in this part, but this is a cool little thing that I learned. And that is that, um, in 88, Tupac moved from Baltimore to the Bay area in Uh California. Get the fuck out. Okay. Yes. So you didn't know this either, huh? I did. I was fucking shocked when I found this out, dude. Because I I knew he grew. I knew he was born in New York. I knew he moved to Baltimore. And I knew, you know, like I thought it was L.A. from there. I didn't even realize the Baltimore part. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So Baltimore, um, he that was where he was in like that school of arts. So he was doing like uh, theater and drama. yeah, so he was okay. doing theater and drama and stuff there, and his mom was uh, fucked up on drugs. She was like a ex Black Panther member, and like right. uprooted the family and dragged him out west. And they landed in uh, a place called Marin City, and Marin City's just north of San Francisco here, and we call it uh, the jungle. And oh, it really? is. Uh, not a great area. Another ghetto of California, guys. I'm going to take you on a tour, okay? Yeah. So. <laughs> I, love I love it. What's so, it called again? What's the city? Marin? Uh, Mar- Marin City, yeah. Straight um, out it's, of it's, 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 it's a lot nicer nowadays. But okay. um, uh, so his home life's starting to fall apart. He's only 17 years old, so he's still in high school. Comes over here. He joins a, a drama program out here. Um, in Marin City, and then pretty much immediately drops out of high school because wow. his mom's fucked up, and then his stepfather is sentenced to 60 years in prison for, like, Whoa. armed robbery. What? So okay, Tupac is, like, alone here. Like, you, he went from being in, like, a, a school of arts place on the East Coast to now he's in the jungle in the Bay Area of California. That's mom's on drugs. Stepdad's gone. 
And so he latches onto this lady, Leela Steinberg, and she is like a poet, a writer, an educator. And he moves into a house with uh, Leela Steinberg and this guy named Ray Love. And so Leela Steinberg starts schooling Tupac on like poetry and Tupac starts reading books like crazy. This is another thing I didn't know about Tupac. So um, this lady says that he was like putting books down like you couldn't believe. And she thought, you know, even though he had dropped out of high school, she thought he was like well above the educational level at that stage right, in his right. life. Right. Um, so he was learning from her. And then he this guy Ray Love that he um, moved in with was a drug dealer and he was really into hip hop. So at the same time, it, this is like a perfect powder keg of, uh, and it kind of makes sense of Tupac in his career. It's right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, much. so he's self-educating himself. Uh, and then also getting into bad things at the same time, he starts selling drugs. He starts getting into hip hop and, um, they form a group called strictly dope. And uh, I ended up finding some of this. And holy shit, dude, this is pretty fucking cool. I never heard this. So um, they form a little group called Strictly Dope. And while this this group didn't do much, um, what happened was this girl, Leela, was able to uh, organize a concert. And she organized a concert where they played and they did their hip hop stuff for the neighborhood. And it was really just like a party thing. And what happened was, uh, Atron Gregory, uh, Gregory, this guy set him up with Digital Underground. So this was the link of how he got into Digital Underground. I always knew he was in Digital Underground, you know, as like a background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like not a main part of the group, but, um, I mean, you know, they show his face on the, uh, the album of, of Underground you know digital underground like the cartoon figure faces i i remember it but so this is this this was the link so this was how he uh his career kind of went in towards music so he has this background of fine arts and drama and poetry and writing and reading and um gets into hip-hop and starts hanging out with gangsters so it's like the perfect um like powder keg for the entertainer that we got you know um as we know uh, as tupac dude Dang, what a complicated motherfucker right oh, I mean, what a crazy it. life dude that's wild yeah that's fucking wild man i i freaking dig that Um, yeah i I, dude i never even knew he stopped in the bay like that was a shocking thing for me and it was like kind of cool that i'm like oh shit tupac kind of has some roots like close to me you know same here baltimore is a hop skip and a jump bro (laughs) we go to baltimore that's nuts uh, it's fucking yeah yeah fucking great global reach too you know, if you think about it, too, like, it's kind of crazy to think that Tupac lived in probably four of, like, the worst ghettos in the country at the time. Man, the experience. He went from New York to Baltimore to the yeah. to the Bay to L.A. God damn, bro. <laughs> Holy shit. This guy's fucked up. I'm shocked he survived as long as he did. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wild. Um... But yeah, I think that's pretty much 88. I mean, there were a ton of other album releases at this point. 
And as you scroll through this list, I got to give a shout out because a, uh, a couple, or I guess maybe it was last week, um, a producer in the hip hop game uh, just passed away. I don't know if you saw this, but the the 45 King, DJ Mark, the 45 King, who who's probably his most famous production work is uh, with Eminem doing uh, Stan. He did Stan. He did okay. And everything for Stan and produced that. He did a bunch of Jay-Z tracks. I think he did that Jay-Z track that was pretty much just Annie from the uh-huh. musical. Whatever that song was, I can't really remember off the top of my head. Not the biggest Jay-Z fan. Hard Knock Life? Hard Knock Life, yeah. So he produced that. And a ton of other great hip-hop tracks throughout the year. But it looks like he actually had an album out in uh, 88, which I want to kind of go back and listen to now, just out of respect. Master of the Game, the 45 King. So I wonder if it's like instrumental or if he's rapped it all or had people on there or something. I'm going to have to look that up, too. Shit out. There's no doubt about it. Schooly D came out with an album that year, too. Uh, Mantronics, they were on the decline at that point too, because that was older school. Um, damn! Oh, Kid and Play came out with their. Uh, I think they might have been their first album in '88, baby. Do you remember Kid and Play? You got to remember. I d- Kid and didn't Play, listen. Right? I didn't listen to Kid and Play much. No, I didn't listen to them either. But <laughs> they were out there. House Party was their yeah doing the movies with, right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, with a huge flat top. Oh yeah, dude has a skyscraper on his head. Yeah, yeah, it was hilarious. I was so, back then in the day. I was so into the house party movies. Well, one and two, I think. But uh, oh, JJ Fad came out with Supersonic. That song is is, is a little corny. It's old old school hip hop, but it's it's sampled a lot at this point. And um, them chicks could bust some rhymes, man. Mm-hmm. Bad. That was a hit. Oh, my, yeah, for sure. Oh, fuck. EPMD as well. Uh, they brought a whole different flavor uh, to hip hop. And their first album came out in 88, Strictly Business, which I highly recommend as well. I listen to that a lot. Eric Sermon. Eric Sermon. I love Eric Sermon. Oh, he's great. When he started getting with Red Man, too, because Red Man's one of my favorite, too. Yeah. I'm Paris actually... I was looking at this uh, NWA stuff, and I saw a uh, a ticket, a show ticket that says Public Enemy, Ice-T, Eazy-E, NWA, EPMD. Bro, that fucking concert? Yeah. Holy shit. I might have to this was an eight, someone got a This was in 88, that. dude. December Damn, 10th, 88. 88. It's, it's, Holy it's, fuck. It's in there perfect. Oh, that would have been the show, man. 17 bucks. The, the, the unity of <laughs> East and West Coast at the time before things started getting so bad. Right? It didn't matter. It was just about the music, the hip hop, the vibes, the love, the sharing, the growing of this genre. Oh, gotta love it. Um, all right. Uh, 80. 
nine. I think we're gonna top it off here at eight nine before we get into the to the wild nineties where things exploded on even more levels and started branching out in uh, even crazier directions in hip hop. Um, all right, I'm getting a list up here. Some of the albums, because I know there was some wild shit dropped in 89. Um, but what news wise, anything major events, anything, uh, good moments happen? Yeah. Notable. So 89 was important, um, for the West. Shit. Um, this changed a lot because 89 is the year that, uh, NWA breaks up or not NWA breaks up. Ice Cube leaves. Ice Cube leaves. I guess, yeah. I guess I should they, say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, essentially, NWA breaks up. <laughs> well, <laughs> in my opinion, because I love Ice Cube, I'm you know, like with you, dude. the group, the group's so done, dude. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, he pretty much fucking killed him with one track when he left. You know, with no Vaseline. No Vaseline, bro. That's all. I mean, that's the best diss track in my mind. It, one artist against how how many he he fucked up. Oh my god. Oh, he tore them all apart. So. He tore them all apart. Yeah, including Dre a little there and everybody else. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was just such a great track. The, the, ah, the production is so perfect on that. He was at his peak writing, I think, around that time. So uh, yeah, that was that was a beautiful. Play. Yeah. So even though you know NWA was awesome and it changed West Coast hip hop forever, I feel like this was the you know the better. Tra- trajectory for sure because i think ice cube changed a lot of things for west coast people oh for sure in terms of like you know his business smarts and knowing bad deals and um kind of like educating some of the hip-hop artists on like making sure you're not getting you know taken advantage of by managers and this stuff i mean ice cube was smart dude and he was smart really early so so um, so smart yeah i mean i just keeping it real there's one of the yes. things that you get from Ice Cube and that you got to respect. Um, just to throw it in there as a little side note, I recently was watching all these Nardwar videos. Nardwar, Nardwar. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I watched the Ice Cube one, um, which there were some moments in there. I was like, ah, come on, Ice Cube. But just the, the just, just his reactions, the way he talks, he just he's just Ice Cube, man. He And he's a smart dude, you can tell by what he says. And uh, I don't know. There's just some about that attitude he got that's just, it's just, it's just right. Yeah, know? it looks like it served him well, you know. Of oh, fuck of it. all he of made the right moves of all of the West Coast OGs. I mean, Ice Cube is still strong, you know. Yeah, and I don't even like any of his newer shit, really, to be honest. But I respect the dude a thousand percent. You listen to uh, the the new West Coast group, um, Mount Westmore. I didn't. Have you heard but that? If you're gonna put me onto it, I'm gonna listen to yeah. it. So. I mean, it's the older G Funk guys, but it's a group of four people, and it's Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, E40, and Too Short. Okay. So they call it they call it oh Mount Westmore. God, that sounds that sounds yeah. least interesting. So I mean, you know, it's it's '90s G Funk, dude, but it's just made today. If you know right. what I'm saying? I love that. I love that. Yeah. Alright, that's great. Yeah, so Ice Cube leaving NWA is pretty much the biggest news um and, and development of, of uh West Coast hip hop in, in at the end of the eighties. And you know, this is a big event. This changes everything, you know, ninety going forward. 
no, oh, whole nother, whole nother game. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it definitely takes off too. Um, as far as just things going on, uh, in the culture early 89, February, the Grammys happened as they always do. And there was a new category. Rap performance was added officially to the Grammy awards. And, um, all the nominees boycotted it. I really? think it was, it was DJ Jazzy Jeff. It was LL Cool J. It was uh, like Queen Latifah, maybe MC Light or something. And then another artist. I'm so sorry for forgetting all the names. I'm not having them written down. But um, the reason that they all boycotted it was because the Grammy Awards were not going to televise the rap performance ceremony. So they were going to keep that off of television. That was just going to be like a side category. So they all said, fuck it. Um, the title did. It ended up going to DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, uh, a.k.a. Jada's hu- husband. But <laughs> Tupac? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> she wishes. She wishes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they won, but no one was there to uh, receive it because it wasn't televised. And then I think the Grammy Awards quickly changed their tune as things were, especially in 1991, for sure, they changed their tune. That was definitely a televised category from then on. And um, so, yeah, that, so that was notable, I think, as far as it getting public recognition. Um uh and that honestly that's all the like news type stuff i do have a list of the albums here there are some notable ones popping out to me uh de la soul three feet and well let me put two albums together de la soul three feet high and rising beastie boys paul's boutique and i think this was when biz yes and biz Marquis, the biz never sleeps these three albums dropped in 89 these three albums utilize samples in ways that have never been done and took tons of more popular song samples, mixed them in in beautiful ways. And these three albums could never be made today because it was Bismarcky's album. I think it was this year that uh, they, that's when he got sued for using a sample and that's when the sampling laws totally changed and flipped on their head uh, as far as music rights and copyright and um, unfortunately for hip-hop because I still feel that it's it's more of a fair it should be a fair usage type of thing if unless you're using a whole song or something just using little chopped up pieces of songs and mixing it in your own unique way I think is creating a new song so I'm always uh, against a lot of these copyright lawsuits and, and rulings, but it was 89 where everything changed because Bismarcky got sued for one of the samples he used. And um, from then on, the laws just got heavier and heavier against artists using samples where now you're going, you, you know, you got to clear every sample now. And so you're not using maybe the one you want. And it's it became a whole dirty game. But uh, yeah, so those three albums that dropped in 89 could never be made again today unless, you know, you were a billionaire making a billion dollar record. 
and no one <laughs> and can that. afford all the legal costs. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, dude, this so, is the, sounds like '89 is the year hip hop went mainstream. It absolutely did. You had Tone Loke dropped his first. It might have been his first or second album, but that album came out in '89. And he had like two songs, I think, on Billboard Hit. And he had the first rap single to go platinum with his Wild Thing. Uh-huh. Which, can I twist that into some Beastie Boys trivia? Yep, please. <laughs> because that was I want to know every Beastie Boys trivia That was produced by got. the Dust Brothers, who produced Paul's Boutique as well. And, um, you know... History was made there, but yeah. So there's there's always a Beastie Boys connection. I'll find them. They're everywhere, dude. They got their hands find on everything. <laughs> They're secretly taking over. I think it's the Jewish thing, man. I don't know, bro. Be careful, man. <laughs> <laughs> they went. They changed hip hop from the inside. Can the oh, just, can the Beastie Boys lower the temperature out here? <laughs> oh, for real. Um. Uh, cool G rap and DJ Polo's album Road to the Riches came out in 89, which, if you ask me, is some gangster rap in and of itself. Uh, you ever get into Cool G rap? Yes, okay, for sure. All right, all right, all right, you could definitely hear the influence there. Now, this was post Schoolie D and NWA and everything, but uh, definitely a different styling of uh, kind of a gangster, more of a more of a New York mafioso kind of gangster rap that he brought to the table but um always loved his creative rhymes and flows and storytelling he has one of my favorite storytelling jams thugs love story um let's see what else came out here gangstar holy shit gangstar's first album was 89 no more mr nice guy um great boom bap he kept a lot of east coast new york boom bap stylings dj premier of course came out of gangstar and became one of the greatest producers, in my opinion, of the 90s. So that started yep. there. Um, another EPMD album came out. Young MC album came out. Now, that was more on the pop side of things with his Bust a Move song. Um, if you know that one. Oh, Bust a Move. Yeah. Um, I got a little East Coast one here. Oh, yeah. The um, East Coast album. 80, 89. A Tribe Called Quest pitches a five-song demo, which includes a future single, I Left My Wallet in El Segundo. Oh, and, um, 89? 89, dude. Holy so, shit. Okay. It, so it's not when it went big, this right. single. Right, right, right. Um, this is like when they pitched it. Okay. Yeah. So this is when they pitched it, and it was on a five-song demo. And um, so I Left My Wallet in El Segundo is one of the songs that got them to where... Um, Got them signed, dude. Oh, that Q-top, Q-tip voice. Jesus Christ. A lot of the voices. Uh, oh, and I, I just realized there, it says uh, they were offered a deal by the same, um, by Jive Records, who also represented Too Short. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um. Oh, and I was going to say, in 88, I saw that Too Short's uh, Life Is. Too short. Too like short. Is that a good yeah. Okay. City of dope. I rem- I clearly without even looking up a picture, I I clearly remember seeing that album cover. The cover. Yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. something about it. The headstone. 
yeah, wait, no, then maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Never mind. I think he's just like crouched over and there's like a headstone. Okay, he's in it. He's on it though. It's blue, yeah, right? Yeah. Is there a lot of blue on it? Yes, it's the sky okay, above all it. All right. All right, then I'm yes, pretty sure yes, he's yes. like crouched over a headstone. That's what it is. Okay, okay. Hold on. I gotta look it up real quick right. just to make sure I'm uh okay, never mind. That's no, not the one I'm thinking of, but I do recognize it. <laughs> so I take everything back that you said. All right, uh what else came out? Uh, I don't know. A lot of shit came out, bro. A lot of fucking shit. Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Third Bass came out with their first album, the Cactus album. Now, let me tell you a, a MF Doom trivia there because uh, Zev, okay. Love, Zev, Love, Zev Love X, who is MF Doom. Is on uh, that album, uh, The Gas Face. They came out with a song called The Gas Face with third bass. The Gas Face? Yup. I wonder if that led him to his Metal Face reference. Ooh, could be. Because Gas Face was like, it was a song about like when someone says something crazy pretty much. And you give them that look. You know what I mean? That look. Oh, like, what the like fuck? That's called like the gas Like you smell something phase. stinky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. made a whole song. They called that the gas phase. It was a whole funny little jam. In the, uh, and that's why when he was forming KMD. So although KMD is not listed on here, I thought that might have been around this time. Although that might have been like 90, 91, maybe. I might be a little off. But um, I think it's early 90s, KMD. Okay, I remember, okay. So right? it might have been 90, I think. I think, I think, I think. Or yeah, ninety ninety one. But in the we'll bay, we call out. that face the fizz face. Oh, okay, a regional thing. It's like Coke and pop. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, Freddie Fox came out album. That's a deep cut. A lot of people probably wouldn't know Freddie Fox, but he's he's in the hip hop uh, game, as is everything we're talking about. But Dude, uh, so it looks uh, like KMD started eighty eight. Yeah, that, see, that's what I thought. I knew so it was 88. We're right I, there. The Cactus album. All right. So yeah, so Doom was 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 starting to fuck with shit. Um, hello, Cool J still doing his thing. Chub Rock. He had a unique voice. A lot. I like a lot of these. I'm realizing looking at these lists. I like a lot of these dudes with these crazy unique voices. You got Guru. You got Q-Tip. You got Chubra. Fuck. And then fucking uh, Gangstar came out with the song. It said it's all about the voice. It's mostly the voice. If it gets you up, it's mostly the voice. Some rappers got flavor. Some got skills. But if you ain't got voice, you need to chill. It's true, man. All right. I don't yeah, know. another another big voice um, that was rising in the late '80s in West Coast was E40. Oh my God, um, E40! He has an iconic voice in in hip hop, but um, he that was his rise was the late '80s. He had originally started um, doing records uh, or performing with this guy named Be Legit, and Be Legit's another big Bay Area rapper out here. That uh, be legit. That sounds so familiar too. I'm sure be legit. So sick. He's one of my favorites. He's kind of like an underground. He never really got uh not. I don't think he got big nationwide, but he was he was one of our favorites out here. Okay, okay. I fucking dig it. 
Uh, oh, speaking of uh, unique styles and in, in that in that uh, branch there, let me because I read something a couple days ago and I said, "There's no fucking way." But uh, there was a, I think, a, just a tweet or something. Oh, I'm trying to find it here. Okay, yeah, Guinness World Records posted this that Eminem is the fastest rapper of all time, can spit out 7.5 words per second. Now he's had his moments with his couple fast lines. Yeah. But what what's the dude? There's a I think he might be a down south dude, but there's definitely Twista. a lot of Twista that can spit a lot faster than that and consistently throughout whole songs, right? You know, that's so funny that you bring this that up cat, today. I, when I was thinking about all this hip hip hop stuff, I was I was kind of tossing around in my head like how overrated I thought Twista was. Um I don't know how fast he can rap. I know it's fast, mm-hmm. but I was like never a fan of Twista myself. I don't even really. know a song, to be honest. But yeah, I, know he I mean, fucking rap fast as shit. The only thing I really remember of Twista is like his songs with early Kanye, because um, I was like a big early Kanye fan. Wait, and, um, what songs did he do with Kanye? On a um, Kanye album? Yeah, I think it's his, uh, 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 what does it call it? No, college dropout was the first. Yes, yes, college dropout. I'm almost positive he's on college dropout. Really? Yeah, right. I think he's on the song with Jamie Foxx. Hmm. Is he not? I don't. I, I don't know. I'll have to check. I'll have to check but yeah, I mean, the other person I would think of would be uh, a Busy Bone from Bone Thugs. Some Bone Thugs guys. There's a couple other guys who are just like that's just their style is just super fast. So this yeah. kind of shocks me. I don't know. I mean, I, I know got Eminem's major, up there. Yeah, I got major respect for Eminem, and uh, yeah, and some of those more recent joints, he can fucking flip words out like crazy. Um, but I don't know, like I that put Nat stuff there, dude. Kills it. You think Bust is super fast like that? Though? I mean, I guess he can bust it out pretty. Yeah, every now and then he'll he'll do. Busta's got some verses that I'm like, shit. God damn, you know? Yeah, that's true. Man, I got to work on my speed now, bro. <laughs> I want to get that record. 7.5 words a second? I could crush that. All right, they're saying Godzilla is where he does it. The third verse of Godzilla, which I can see, he squeezed 225 words into a single 30-second segment. Okay, so it's one verse so that he had. That was just it, crazy. That's what I was going to huh? say. So if they're just basing it off of one little spot. One verse. Yeah. But was that all? I see. I want to see this dude in the studio and see if that was all one take. Because I I know for sure on like rap god he has it split up. And as a rapper myself, I have to do that sometimes too. Especially a smoker who's also a rapper. Catch I definitely that breath, have to. Dude. I definitely have to take a couple takes sometimes and kind yeah, of splice yeah. it together. I don't like doing that. It really. Uh, it's one of those things where it almost feels like I'm I'm spitting someone's ghost written shit. That I just like, oh, like, oh, I don't want to edit this shit. I just want to spit everything in one take. But sometimes you just got to do it. It's just impossible. So I'm, I've got to re-listen to that track and see if I think that's all one take or not. Yeah. Mm. That Twista song I was thinking about was Slow Jams. And it is with Jamie Foxx. Okay. And okay. Kanye. Very. This is just the I one, though, right? Some Marvin Gaye, some Luther Vandross. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Damn, that's wild. Okay. I'll t- I'll take Eminem. I like that. I like him being the fastest. 
I'm cool. No, I'm cool with yeah. it. It just seems like no. I it, it, trust me. I'm a huge Eminem fan. So yeah, same. Um, and, and we'll definitely dig deep into him when we hit about two thousand because I got some good stories on his like pre fame type shit. Um, but we'll get there, man. Mm-hmm. Just a little little uh, teaser there. All right. Um, I don't know. That's uh, do you got any other bit there for late '80s before uh, next up, and we get into '90s? Nah, this, this is really it. I mean, because like anything, more? anything we talk about here, just like runs through the '90s. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All so, this, yeah, all this. I think this is a good, yeah. a good stopping point. This is all right. All right, I fucking dig it. Um, we definitely saw cool. a pivot with this period. These five years were oh a big change. It, the, the, it's insane how quickly hip hop evolved. I think mm-hmm. from uh, seventy three, and I would say till seventy nine, it was you know in the streets. So that was probably the longest extended period where things were relatively the same. I mean, you were getting a lot of word of mouth, and things were spreading coast to coast and in the middle a little bit here and there. Similar but, styles, yeah, but you didn't have like. It, it, honestly until fatback band apparently not sugar hill dropped uh the first record that was actually recorded and that they could s- distribute to radio stations in every city um you know it wasn't blowing up like that so you can understand why it was a little stagnant but then yeah that as soon as it as soon as it started hitting and i think a lot of this goes to just how how much uh how not how I don't want to say how simplistic hip hop is in a sense, but how I don't know. It kind of goes with the competition thing that how anybody it evolved. Yeah, but yeah, because like anybody who takes it in and listens and gets an understanding can kind of do it if you really want to. It's yeah. nothing that you have to. You don't have to spend years taking like music class to learn how to read music, you know, or learn an instrument or something. If you can talk, you can fucking hip hop. You know what I mean? If you can move, you can break dance. If you can fucking use your fingers, you can graffiti. And it, it's kind of like just one of those things where, yeah, anyone can kind of take off with it or redefine it in a way. And so I think that's what that's a part of what made it so huge that it, it can be very personal for everybody. Yeah, it was like the music of the people. Yeah, right? really. Everyone had was. access yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a perfect way to put it. Yep, it's accessible by all. Oh, I love it. I fucking love it. Thank, thank God for hip hop. That's all I gotta say. Um, all right. Well, let's. You want to get into this week in hip hop? Hip hop. Hip hop. Hip hop. Ooh, we got some juicy stuff. <laughs> There's some good stuff going on. Um. Let's see here. Right off the bat. Oh, I don't like that one. I don't want to read the first one, bro. I know. It's a sad one, dude. It's one of my saddest ones. And I don't often feel that way about, like, celebrities at all or anything. But music definitely hits another level. And, again, it's a personal kind of thing. It can get personal. So, fucking R.I.P. M.F. Doom, who died on October 31st, uh, 2020. Or did he? I still am still dubious. <laughs> Daniel Dumoulin, the fucking one and only Zev Love X, KMD, uh, uh, Victor Vaughn, 
King Ghidorah, whatever you want to call him, the part of the mad villain. The mad villain. Is he the mad villain or is the mad villain the collector? No, mad villain say? is him and... He's... Yeah, I know, so his but I'm mo- saying... He has a like, moniker called the vaudeville villain. It's not mad villains. So I would say mad villain is probably him. Yeah, probably. So you know he I mean? has a moniker called vaudeville villain. Oh, I love him. I love, I love Victor Vaughn. Victor Vaughn's so, maybe my favorite. Yeah. Shit, to be honest. And then... Uh, yeah, Vic Vaughn, and then it was just produced by Mad Lib, so they'd smash it together. I know. Well, the same yeah. thing with Danger Doom and uh, Danger Doom, the other yeah. one, JJ Doom or something like that. I forget. Um, but uh, yeah, rest in peace if you're dead, Mister Doom. He maybe he's Rocking out there uh, making songs with Jay Dilla. That'd be great. That'd be great. Donuts Part Two. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on from that, though, we got uh, Outcast dropped uh, Stankonia October 31st in 2000. Ooh-wee. Man, it's the year I graduated, bro. It's crazy. I, Dang, I dude. I don't know if I caught Outcast. that album, though. Was that a good album, Stankonia? I can't remember. Yeah. I, I, I feel uh, I feel this is definitely This was kind of like one of their last like like pure hip hop albums in my opinion. Oh, and really? they kind of like branched off from here uh into you know pop and jazz and all different kinds of stuff. See, I got to give part... I got to give Outkast another shot cuz I know I mean I, I Southern Play Catalyst music whatever it's called and um uh well, what was the second album? Eight Aliens. Eight Aliens. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And then uh, Aquemini. Uh, uh, Wait, no, no. Aquemini. Aquemini. Yeah. Uh, those three albums I digested back in the day because they were just there. But I think after, for whatever reason, after Aquemini kind of dropped off Outcast. I mean, no, for no reason. There was no hate or anything. It's just one of those things. I think life got in the way, listening to other shit or whatever. I think uh, I really can't listen go to everything. Absorb all that though, because. They got some mad praise, man. Number one hip hop album of all time, dude. Is it really? Not this oh, one, but we'll remember get their we'll uh, get there. yeah that's speaker right. box. Talk about that. That's right. Yeah. Um, I don't really care about the next one there. Jay Z released La Familia. Or whatever. Are you not a Jay Z fan? I'm not a Jay Z fan in hey, many aspects. I'm, I keep you company there. All right, all right. I I I usually get roasted for having that hot take. Oh, I, I all the time. People think okay, I'm crazy. We're in this together, brother. So it's like I'm not crazy. He's not that great. I don't care what you say. Yeah. I all mean, right, it's uh, not like there's no songs I don't like of his, but nah, I like the first album know? though. Reasonable doubt. Yeah. Fire, bro. It was fucking flames. I love that shit. Bits and pieces of the second album, which I candy, I don't even know enough to remember the title of it. That wasn't the joint with the hard knock life joint, was it? That was like his third album, wasn't it? Drawing a blank. Mm, d- don't ask me. Don't, don't ask me Jay Z right, trivia. I don't bro. even care. All right, <laughs> fuck Jay Z. Sorry, I, you know I we're know gonna be those answers. You know we're we're gonna get knocked off because of this, but that's that's fine. That's okay. It is. I'll I'll die over these opinions. This is the hill I'll, I'll die on. Jay Z. Beyonce can come kill me if she wants to, dude. <laughs> Whack. Um, all right. Next one though. We mentioned this a little bit last up. Pharaoh Monk. Born October 31st, 
What a yes. lyricist. This guy uh, also mind. amazing live artist, dude. This Ooh, guy okay. like gets a crowd fucking out of their seats. This he's a, he's great live. Damn. I mean, the, that Simon says song live uh-huh. is I mean, everybody's up on their feet. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's a fucking banger because the bass line is so deep on that. Um, like on concert stacks, dude. Oh my god, that shit is like it's like shakes your soul. Damn, bro. So you are blessed to have been to so many great shows. I was yeah, just I stayed in the chased room and him, dude. Real loud in the headphones, but um, but yeah, that's fucking amazing, man. I wouldn't have thought him to be a great live guy for no reason. I would have thought that, but I just never yeah. thought about it. But, he was actually uh, at that show crazy, I man. I sent you that uh, playbill or whatever the the lineup for the other day. Ah, uh, yeah, that okay. Rock the bells. He yep, played there. Yep. That's fucking. Well, yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't. You, I'm sure you've gotten into like the organized confusion stuff, but mm-hmm. those things were kind of groundbreaking. They were just on another fucking level. The gun joint. God damn. Um, yeah, I fuck with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's dope, bro. Um, oh, how could I possibly forget? Yeah, huh? Ad Rock, uh, the Beastie boy. Boys. Uh, <laughs> October thirty first. That is my date of birth. Got to the party. You know what I did? The Smurf. That's my boy. Ad Rock. Happy birthday, brother. Um. Love the Beastie Boys. Love the Beastie Boys. All right, what do we got? I talk about the Beastie Boys too much now. I feel I don't want to. Say nah, you're good, much. man. Um, but uh, Cypress Hill, Temples of Boom came out. That was that was dope. What was that? October yeah, thirty first, nineteen ninety five. And expect me to get into I some Cypress Hill on this early uh, early nineties section oh um, coming up. This yeah. is a big influence here. I could just kill a man. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I love those first two albums mostly. Again, he was one. The Cypress is is one that I similar kind of outcasty thing. I don't know. After the first like three albums, I didn't absorb every album, but you know, stayed apprised to them anyway. But um, yeah, you can't uh, you can't deny the legacy. Be real. Be real. Did you did you like that album he did with Jizza? What was that Grandmaster chess that. boxing or whatever? I don't even think I heard it. Oh, uh, it's pretty Is good. It I like that one. It's, yeah, it's okay. it's not bad, dude. I mean, it wasn't a. It was kind of underground, dude. It was came out at a weird time, but uh, it's cool. It's just be real and and Jizza. When the fuck did that come out? Yeah, I don't even recall hearing about this. Maybe two thousand five, something like that. Okay, okay. I think it's called Grandmaster something. <laughs> It's fucking wild, bro. Because uh, it sounds like it has a lot of uh, flavor behind it. All right. Um. Oh, another sad one here, though. October thirtieth, two thousand and two, is uh when Jam Master J uh, was killed. Uh, it that happened in a studio, didn't it? Wasn't he coming out of a studio session or something? Um, oh, I don't know. He, he was murdered, huh? Uh, I think so. Coming out of the studio, I believe. Jimmy Master J. Death. 
like I'm I don't want to get all my my facts wrong here. Um well yeah, first story popped up. Two men charged in long unserved 2002 murder of run DMC's Jam Master J. Uh of course it's not saying too much of the story here. Let's see. Oh, so they're in, they were alleging that Jam Master J was involved in transporting kilogram quantities of cocaine between '96 and 2002. Uh, that's who cares? Fucking musician, <laughs> bro. In July 2002, he acquired about 10 kilograms of cocaine, which was intended to be distributed by Washington Jordan. It was for the fucking tour coming up, bro. Probably 10 grams. Nah. But a dispute between Washington and a co-conspirator led Jam Master Jay to tell Washington he would cut out of the transaction. That's when they conspired to kill him, the indictment states. On October 30th, they entered his recording studio with firearms and fatally shot him oh, shot him in the head and shot another man in the leg. Damn. They didn't say who that was, but... Mm. That's fucked up, bro. Jesus. Gone too soon, man. He was a legend. Jam Master J. Enough respect, though, Jam Master. Um, do you care about Moni Love? No. Care about Big Daddy Kane? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, Um, maybe. I didn't listen to uh Big Daddy Kane myself a lot. That was one of my dad's, though. Ah, okay. My, okay. my dad liked Big Daddy Kane a lot, so I would uh, hear it a lot in the car with him. But I never really, like, you know, when I went on my own music journey, I never really got down the Yeah, maybe a Big song Daddy Kane. here or there. But yeah. It's nothing I'm familiar. That sparks too many memories here. Um, I mean, he had an impact. He was there. He did some great stuff. But, uh, yeah, it didn't resonate totally with me, and this is our podcast, so we don't have to talk about it. All right, Ice Cube, though. My man, who we do mm-hmm. like to talk about. This is when Death Certificate came out in 91. October 29th, 91 is when he dropped Death Certificate, which featured No Vaseline, I, b- I believe. Isn't that the album No Vaseline is on? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite albums, although America's Most is one of my favorite too, but it has a different vibe. But um, I don't know. Ice Cube up until uh, after The Predator, Lethal Injection. All right, so with Death Certificate, I forget the exact order now, just trying to go off the top of my head, but America's Most, Death Certificate, Lethal Predator. Injection, and The oh, Predator. Lethal? Yeah. Were like those are still in my mind just so classic to this day after that I, I, sure. his style switched up and i really didn't follow as much um and i uh, and i said i i don't think he's doing good music anymore but i haven't really listened to be honest for years i know he's still dropping some stuff or doing some stuff but well, after um those, those after those four albums, albums man, he started making good movies it. Uh, well, that's absolutely true. Because yeah, yeah. As far as him as an actor, and uh, and in the Nardwar interview, I fucking love him. But uh, music, I don't know. But still, those four albums and NWA are enough to cement him as one of the greatest of all times. And I put him very high in my regards. Love that guy. So yeah, so Death Certificate, uh, October twenty ninth, ninety one. Much respected Death Certificate. Great album. 
great, great album. Oh my god, organized confusion. Speaking of the devil. Uh that was their first album, October 29th, 91. All right, man. We, all right. Well, I'm gonna since a lot of these hey, yeah, this is like we'll leading into the that, era we're gonna talk about next week. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Uh I'll just scroll here. What about who's this white guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? I don't know. You click on the alchemist. You find interesting. He's a producer. Is that alchemist? Yeah. The one with the hoodie? Hold on. I'm skipping yep. on it. Uh, didn't even know what he looked like. I didn't Love even know alchemist, alchemist was beats. white, to be honest. Oh, my God. His beats are fucking great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, agree. One, one like I'll shout out here. I think. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, a little bit further Body. down. Oh, shit. Um, a group called Little Brother. Oh my they god, little a, brother. Yeah. They released the album Get Back um you know, October 23rd, 2007. I uh, little brother is so good for me. I like Ninth Wonder. Um rapper Big Pooh, dude, I fucking love this group. Um did you ever get into Little Brother at all? I in and out, not too deep, but okay. I know uh, of Ninth Wonder who came in there, he did some shit with um uh, boot camp click in particular mm-hmm. black uh, black moon i was gonna say um buckshot they did an album together and he did all kind of productions i knew little brother a lot because when i started producing beats on the computer um i started using fruity loops which i think mm-hmm. it's just called fruit loops now or something i don't know they changed yeah, all kinds fruity of fruity loops yeah but um fl and studio I, now yeah okay that's what it is just fl studio now but um they produ- little brother produced their whole album using fruity loops and that was just one of those things like this is what can be done with this um so i did listen a lot because of that just trying to get inspiration um to be honest i don't really like, recall a lot of it it's nothing i absorbed to a huge level but th- i could recognize the talent i mean it was it's more conscious sort of positive de la soulish type of stuff if i'm not mistaken right yeah, like that feel, like native tongue kind of feel of, and they're of from M North music. Carolina, so it's kind of they got their oh, own little vibe going. Yeah, 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 it is. It's definitely a different kind of vibe for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So it's uh, kind of R and B ish a little bit too, you know. De- different stylings, yeah. There's something yeah. unique there for sure. Yeah, they're so great they though. I love them. Major props, man. Major props. Um, and I'm just gonna throw out there because I saw this one was Onyx second album. All we got is us came out on October 24th, 1995. I think that this is highly underrated. Um, I don't know, I don't hear about people talking about it too much. Um, obviously, you had Onyx first album back the fuck up, which had Slam, which was a huge hit. Um, again, I should say this because this is early, this is next episode shit, but um, <laughs> but I'm just gonna say that all we got is us. I think is underrated. I love that album. That's probably my favorite Onyx album. Um, and some of the fucking Sticky Fingers bars on there are just insane, man. It's just crazy. He just went off on this lyrical tangent. Of this pitiful earth that's filled with temptation was my invitation. Yeah. Will be my initiation. I just got a probation, so wish me congratulations. But I'm still under investigation. What for psychic evaluation? Facing incarceration, isolation, over some color discrimination. Don't need to participation in the Caucasian assassination. Time is wasting. It's a sticky situation. Trying to stop my reproduction to kill off a population, and there's no exaggeration. So if it's an association. 
Retaliation with the nigga retaliation. I need your total cooperation in hours of desperation. And for your information, a confrontation will be for my the younger generation. Cause we got determination. Now all we need is organization. So I'll use my concentration with a gym co-education. If history preaches don't get destination to plantation. Overcome this observation. Depends upon the communication. Then without an explanation and hesitation, you have a reservation to be lynched from a tree for decoration. So because these qualifications, we need to make some alterations. Let's begin with the manipulation of this whole goddamn nation. Um, and I think that was kind of the peak of that. And it was just this dark vibe. It's totally opposite of this kind of in your face slam type shit. It just gets dark and deep. It's like the feeling is like going through the alleyways of New York City, you know, the dark, scary alleyways. That's like where this album feels to me. I don't know. It's just a thing. But I love that album. Check it out, everybody. All right. I don't know. I think that's going to be it. <laughs> any, any other ones you yeah. want to talk about quick or something? Uh, only other one I saw on this list was uh, uh The Birth of Mad Lib. Oh, I'm a big uh, Mad Lib fan. He was born October 24th, 1973. Uh, you know, Doom, Mad Lib. Loved all that shit, dude. Birthday, man. Yeah. Sure. I didn't get into too much other Mad Lib shit, though. You, you gotta recommend some stuff to me. Though. He did some crazy stuff, too, because he also went under another uh, moniker called Quasimodo, where he oh, sped yeah, his, his rap, voice up. His rap name, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does a little bunch of that in uh, Mad Lib. Yeah. Yeah, so he speeds his voice up, and it sounds like really cartoonish, but dude, Mad Lib, <laughs> bangers, bro. Check out Mad Lib. And happy birthday, brother. Happy fucking birthday. All right. Good shit, man. That's all we got. Uh, No outro this week. Getting into the 90s. 90s coming next week, though. It's going to be another wild time. We'll see how much we can uh, chart on the next episode. But 90s were uh, wild in hip-hop. That was when at least our personal experience probably came into the most play. Uh, so we'll definitely be talking a lot about 90s hip hop. Um, but that does it for uh, for the uh, Hip Hop History 101 episode 4. And uh, the 80s, we can close that chapter. We're going to keep things going. And uh, and I will say, just to throw it out there, once we do get through, you know, the decades here and a uh, little more current, we're going to go back. We're going to feature a lot of more specific stuff. We're going to get into like we're going to have an equipment episode where we get really deep into like the 808 SB12. and We'll highlight some of these artists. I'll talk. Yeah. I'll talk in depth about Onyx uh, second album bro. I'll go over every track. I'll make you love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely want to get into more uh um specific subjects like i want to do a graffiti episode yes um you know not not just the music because there's so many different things that we could dive into bro there's a lot of conspiracies out there oh i know don't tell jay-z but we're gonna we talk about some crazy shit bro okay and there's crime that, that's our patreon episode yeah Ooh, that's actually <laughs> a good idea to be honest that is not a bad idea at all. Um, but uh, it's all about hip-hop, man. It's what we love, and uh, we just are happy to share and talk about it. 
So and uh, learn about it some more. Fuck, dude. Yeah, we're learning tons, man. I got lists here growing. I got papers all over that I'm writing throughout the show. Shit, I gotta check out. Dude, so yeah, I, my playlists have been bangers the last couple weeks from your oh recommendations. Uh, well, ditto, man. I'm fucking loving everything. This is just exploring again and finding these little things because it's like it's like you listen to your your favorite artist your whole life and then all of a sudden you're like someone tells you hey did you ever hear that uh that album of unreleased jams from blah 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 and you're like what that's my favorite artist no i didn't hear that and then you listen yeah. it's like oh my god and you find some of your favorite tracks ever it's just one of those things man it's just so much out there i'm so happy i just want to cry yeah. <laughs> all right that does it i'm out man all right, brother. <laughs> um, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, LostBoysSociety.org. Check us out there. Check us out wherever. Hop to Discord. Blah, 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 blah. Freestyle outro out. Later. Yo. Word up. Check it out. Behind closed doors. Word up, word up. Yo. My ill super race flash, you're blind days for two days. You won't last, crash the chest in 22 ways. Know what I'm saying? 44 more to add on. Plus, I got 357 techniques to get raw. Rip all mics, midnight till dawn. Split your wig, won't even pause. Turn the fan on, this shit's about to soar. Clips full, bloody summer and winter reward. Plus, prepare for more. Bed rolls, street clothes, don't care for law. About to feel more pain than before. Ever, I stay more clever, store cheddar. You'll be deader than me forever. So watch your feet, don't step up. Seize pepped up, raise your bed up, unless you think you'll mess up. Do you want to test a experimental professor? The rest of rap I got under pressure. Next up, challenge all, not human hands, challenge claws. Fangs gouging all down in four rounds. Out the door, you're heading off to Mars. Ring along, stop him right there, igniting bombs, grenade. Pause him in his tracks, arms, ripped from his limbs. All nasty thing I ever seen before. I got you a jaw, part open, smoking dope shit. Broken focus, composer blowed open. The rope is too tight, or what? Round your neck, it's like the clutch of a cobra. Anaconda or other type A snake they bite venom injecting I teach, send them a lesson Best protected, your neck coming Wiping, striking, psychics just the icing On the cake, precise enticing Fight for light ten Years by writing the hypest Lightning lyrics taking flight And wings on my nights in So I'll be floating Coasting, hoping Rose, that is, uh, if anyone made it this far, first off, I commend you, but uh, that jaunt right there was probably from around 99, maybe 2000 at the latest, um, uh, that was the, I had to put that in there because we were talking about it, but that is the B-side of the single from Pharaoh Monch's uh, Simon Says single, which I always copped a lot of singles at this time for the instrumentals so we could like freestyle and record little uh, funny jams and stuff like that. So that's one jaunt I had written back then uh, in the early days of my recording days. Uh, it's all right. And uh, that's about it. 
All right. Peace out. Thanks for listening, everybody.